0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. And we also have PDFs available on our website at grove.church.
1: Yes, and as usual, if you have questions, uh, if you've joined us for the first time, we do like to take time and answer questions as much as we can. Uh, so you're welcome to send us any questions that maybe you're listening along and a question arises, it's like, well, what about this point? Then we would love for you to send that in to info at or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. Uh, we are the Grove Church in Washington State. Uh, you're welcome to send us those messages. And we try and put those at the end of every show that we take time to do. So we actually have a question that we brought over from last week because we didn't have time to answer it. So we're going to answer that one today. Uh, but we'd love for you to be able to send those in to us so we can have some time answering those questions for you.
0: <coughs> and that question fits more with what we're talking about. Today. Yeah, it was perfect. So it's it like works out. it this way. Uh, so today we are talking about the book of Genesis. If you're following along in the Bible reading plan, we're reading a lot of Luke and a lot of Genesis. Yes, um, we're in
1: the midst of Genesis
0: right now. Yeah, I think with just some Psalms sprinkled in there,
1: but other yeah, than there's that, a Psalm every day, which I actually kind of like it's, it's a little bit, it's almost that uh, when you go, when you're reading a long chapter uh, it's a nice to have a, a little Psalm to read afterwards. Cause you kind of wrap up the day's reading with the Psalm. So it's true. Uh, yeah.
0: So. Uh, As far as resources that we're using today, as always, the ESV Study Bible, Logos Bible Software, um, and then the... Essence of the Old Testament, a survey by Ed Henson and Gary Yates. Um, that's basically should also just go on the list of like, as always, because as long as it's, it's the true. Old Testament. If it's the Old Testament, that's the one. If not, it's, it's the New
1: Testament version of that with Gutierrez, but
0: we'll get ben to that Gutierrez. one when
1: we, when we take care of a New Testament books.
0: So. There you go. All right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Genesis. As far as history goes, um, it's most likely written by Moses. Um, that's what tradition tells us. Um, there's not a ton to argue that. So, I mean, unless you just like blatantly just say like, no, I don't believe that. And then you can kind of make up some other stuff, but yeah, but you're not going to really have found it to, yeah. to back you up at all. So. so there you go. Um, and was most likely also a combination of oral history passed down by the Jewish people and then direct inspiration from Yahweh himself. Mm-hmm. So, um, we get like, that's a fun way to say it.
1: Yeah. Direct inf- inspiration from Yahweh.
0: Yeah. And what we mean by that is, you know, think <laughs> of like in Exodus, um, like the 10 commandments and the law, that's mm-hmm. direct inspiration from God. Um, And then as far as Genesis goes, some of it could be direct inspiration where God is revealing things to Moses. And then a lot of it is probably, um, it's just history that people told things. And first, really quick too, I will say like, I think to modern ears that sounds really unreliable. Like, okay, well, wait, it's just like stories people told, but keep in mind, um, like with the Iliad and the Odyssey, like- it, it was, I keep saying like, I don't know why I'm doing that, but it's a new trend for you. I know. But other than saying, um. I tried to stop saying, um, I, I listened back to some podcasts and I realized how much I said it, but now it's, it's now a filler I'm word. saying like is a filler word. You just need to pause. It's stop. okay
1: to pause
0: and then continue your thought. You're right. So sorry. That was a pause there with the Iliad and the Odyssey. They were translated, transmitted orally for a very long time mm-hmm. until they were finally written down, is my point. Um, and there's really no evidence to suggest that they changed significantly over that time um, because it was really important for people when you're, when your only method of transmitting information is oral, it's very important to get those things right. Yes. So
1: anyway, and that's the thing that we can't forget, even when it comes to biblical tradition and history, when it comes to translating and passing on the information from one to another, oral history and oral uh, translation was priority was the way to do it. And it wasn't just anybody could tell any story it was legitimately someone who there was a more of a professional <laughs> oral, uh, right. tra- you know, ha- translator that, that was very, very, uh, th- the reputation there, the, uh, the integrity of it, that's what I'm looking for uh, is very, very high. Uh, and so even though it was trans, you know, handed down from generation to generation orally, it was a very integrity driven thing in the way they handled it. So they didn't fluff, they didn't shorthand, they didn't change things, some Something's
0: up to be more dramatic. Sure. It was very accurate and very, very um, wholesome. So. Yeah. And Moses is also uniquely qualified to be the one who does this. Because remember, you know, he's um, – And we're, it's funny because we're not talking about Exodus, but we're talking about Moses a lot today. Um, well, he wrote the book, so yeah. it's okay. So the, the people of Israel were enslaved for a very long time, 400 mm. years, which is longer than the U.S. has existed, right? Um, which is – That's where the mind-blown emoji. Yeah, that in itself what? is crazy to think about. Um, but Moses comes being educated in Pharaoh's palace. And so he's extremely literate, obviously Mm -hmm. Um, he can write, he can read. We don't know how much that was prevalent in the Jewish culture at the time. Obviously later on, they become very literate um, Mm -hmm. with some of the highest literacy ratings in the, in the ancient world, but at the time, who knows? Um, And so it makes sense that that not Joseph, it makes sense that Moses would start to record these stories. Um, There's even some, um, now I'm saying, oh my God, there's even some, Evidence that Job may have been the one who recorded Job, which would be kind of interesting. Hmm. So that was an that oral. That is interesting. That was most likely also an oral history that was passed down. That was recorded by someone, and maybe Moses. Yeah, so maybe. Anywho, moving past Moses, there uh, with Genesis, it's primarily narrative, so it makes for a really easy read. Um, however, this doesn't mean there's not deep spiritual questions found throughout the book. Yeah. Um, a lot of time with the narrative passages of the Bible, you're kind of reading through it and you're just kind of getting a story, but there's not like there's not a deep a uh, question being asked for a lot of it. That is not the case with Genesis. There's yeah, a lot of, brutal. there's a lot of themes that are happening there. Um, and the, the book also, it, it's really easy to outline because it just breaks into two parts. Um, there's what we call, or what the, um, the Ed Henson, Gary Yates books calls the primeval history and the patriarchal history. So primeval is creation of the world through um, the flood and the immediate, the immediate aftermath of it. Mm-hmm. And then the patriarchal history is Abraham through Joseph. And that's kind of the last... Uh, 40 chapters of the book, give or take, yeah. is the patriarchal history. Yeah, it breaks
1: down into two sections, but one is a significantly
0: larger than the other. <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, but today we are going to start with primeval history, um, and then we'll go into the patriarchal history, and then we'll wrap up with some talks about uh, really just the themes uh, that are all throughout Genesis, what we can learn from it and moving forward yeah. there. Our hope is to be able to give you a wide enough view of Genesis, but at the same time work through it strategically
1: so there's a little bit more meat to the bone.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So primeval history starts off first with Genesis chapter one and two, um, probably the most famous chapters of Genesis, at least the most famous verse. Um, It starts off with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Um, so right away, God's power is on full display. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't think of it very, very much. The theological term is the divine imperative, which I just think sounds cool. But basically what it means <laughs> is that um, it's God command is mm-hmm. another way to translate that. It just doesn't sound as cool. Yeah. Although it sounds like a video game, God command. Um, but <laughs> yes. God commands the universe to exist mm-hmm. and it obeys him, um, which is just, which is <laughs> yeah. just crazy. Because it's not, there's not this picture, like you get with the um, the Greek myths, for instance, where you see like these giant battles going on and that's how things are created. And there's kind of this inadvertent thing, like God just, there's Spoken nothing. Yep. There's nothing, there's void. And God says, let there be light, and the light just exists, so mm-hmm. that's how God creates, which is um really it's really a testament to the power and the sovereignty of God in that yeah. moment
1: when well, I've even read something I, I wish I, I would have remembered um, this, this the place I read it um, but just talking about how like because it is such a divine creative power it's it's act it's still like it's still happening um and what I mean by that is one of the things that they were they were saying in this in this article talking about creationism um, and the, the the spoken word into creation is as as the, the from the starting point, how you have a ripple effect where the, the ripple continues to go until it hits land. Um, there's almost like this no landmark in in the universe as we know it. So there's just we're finding new things yeah. throughout the universe as we know it. Um, galaxies are unfolding. We just and so it is such a when you stop to think about it, it is such a remarkable phenomenon that has played out and is happening based upon one simple command from the Lord. So, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty amazing. The divine, um, yeah, that's
0: pretty remarkable. It's a it's a cool passage for sure. Um, we don't really have time to go over all of it, but yeah. if you, as you're reading, one you
1: know, day, one day, maybe.
0: Yeah, that's true. But there's all of the different days. Um, everything's kind of created and eventually you get to the creation of Adam and Eve. You get Mm -hmm. the creation of man, which is really cool. Um, Speaking of not cool, (laughs) we get the fall in chapters three through five. And really this talks about um, sin entering Mm -hmm. the world. Um, I've said it before on this podcast. I think it's been a while, but the Bible is set up as far as um, literature goes as a comedy. And, And so what I mean by that is not like it's funny, um, yeah, not like a rom-com. We're but, not talking rom coms. Right. So if you think about Shakespeare's Shakespearean comedy. Yeah. If you think about Shakespeare's plays, they're either comedies or tragedies. The comedies, everything starts off great, and then all of a sudden there's this dip where there's a huge problem and then it ends well. And the tragedy is the opposite, where everything starts off well. Or sorry, starts off starts off poor. And then all of a sudden, things start getting better for the main character. And then um, they probably kill themselves because that's what happens in all of the, <laughs> all of the Shakespeare tragedies. Oh, Shakespeare! But but regardless of how the character meets their end, I guess. In, I don't think Macbeth kills himself. Does he? I don't remember. I don't. Even he know. might. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just. See, I if he does, people. I'm going to sound really stupid to people just then. Um, but that's how it is. So with the Bible, it's the same thing with a uh, with a comedy. So mm-hmm. in Genesis chapters one and two, it starts off really well. And then sin enters the world, you get this massive cycle where obviously there's bright spots here and there, um, but it really doesn't start to point up until really the gospels. And then the final point up arrow, I guess you could say is, is revelation 21 where it's the new heaven and new earth are created. And now everything is back to the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, That's the way that the Bible is structured. So, so there's hope guys, there's hope. Oh yeah. If there's one theme of the Bible, it's. God's mer- God's mercy every aspect of the Bible is hope. Yeah. But hope is in there too. So with the, with the fall, we see the serpent coming in, the temptation happening, um, Adam and Eve both sin, they fall. Um, we get what's called the proto evangelium, which is just basically the first mention of Jesus. But we'll talk about that later. And during the themes and stuff also, yeah. Is it pretentious to say the proto evangelium a little bit, but it's fun to say, and that's why I just go with it, but it's, it's Greek for first gospel or Latin think it's Greek. Uh, after that, we move forward. So I'm just he, shaking my head, guys. I'm sorry, guys. Some of you, I know, are doing the same thing, but... What most, are you going to do? Most of you enjoy this part of it. So the flood. Uh, God's mercy and wrath are on full display in the flood. Um, there's so much sin in the world. God basically decides to start over, um, but he saves Noah and his family. And Which so, just in and of
1: itself is crazy. Like, man, anyways. Yeah. Just the whole, like, and this is my hope as you're reading because I'm reading along, like I actually think I'm a few days ahead because uh, I just want to kind of have a heads up as far as what we're going to be talking about leading into when this podcast drops on Sunday. Um, but its I really hope you're able to to read through uh, Genesis, especially, but even as we get into the, the more into the Bible, that you're able to read it with wide, eyes wide open, like to, to read it as if it's your first time, to really be enamored and captured by everything going on, like yeah. creation, God speaking the world into existence, the fall where sin shows itself up through the through the verbal conversation of a serpent with Eve, like <laughs> there's just so many incredible uh, dynamic things that are in, in play, and at the end of it, seeing that underlying reinforced mercy of God, which leads us to hope and understanding all of it. So um, that's that's why I'm just like, man, the flood even in and of itself is God's wrath poured out on sinfulness and sinful humanity, but he finds one man who's righteous. And he says, okay, I'm gonna preserve you and your line. Um, and you just have to build an ark when
0: there's no such thing as rain. And we uh, see that happen over and over again. All the time. Um, yeah. In the Bible and not to get, you know, cause obviously we're gonna talk about the themes of Genesis, but you see it happen with Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, but even like pretty much the entire story of Israel is God's God's wrath being poured out for yeah. sin and then God showing them mercy as well. Um, after the flood, chapters 10 through 11, 9, that's, this is going to wrap up the primeval yeah. history section. Um, but This is where we get a recounting of the nations that came from Noah. Um, this is where one, our question at the end comes from these chapters. Um, but we talk about, you know, all of the sons of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, they yep. go and they form their own places, as well as the Tower of Babel story, um, where God divides the languages of people so that they Which will. In and itself, is a cool story too. It's true. <laughs> um, not great. No, not a great picture for guys. It's or tragic. Man, it's a tragic reality. But there you go. But let's get to patriarchal history. So this is where the meat of Genesis is. This is chapter eleven, ten, all the way through fifty, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's the history of really the people of Israel now. So before it was the history of mankind, now we're focusing in on one family, which eventually becomes one nation. Um, So Genesis moves from the macro level to the micro level. And God calls a man named Abram at the time to be the beginning of his people. So here's that passage really quick. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show for you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took his uh, took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land, to the place of Shechem to the oak, uh, to the oak of Morah. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. But the Lord appeared to Abraham or Abram who, and said, "To your offspring I will give this land." So he built there an altar of the Lord who had appeared to him. So we get this idea of. Um really, the special connection that the Jewish people have with their land specifically mm-hmm. and it's kind- of, it's really um it's it's very unique <laughs> among um I would say like the Egyptian people are the only ones who have like consistently lived in a land for as long as as long as the Jews have been around there as well so it's um it's kind of an interesting thing that's happening there, but yeah, with the story of Abraham, we get uh this really clear picture that the heroes of the Bible are not perfect people. Um, and you see this a lot with with myth, where the heroes are basically perfect until you, you kind of get like an idea at the very end. But um, usually what it is, is like the hero does great things. And then all of a sudden at the end, they make a tragic fall. And that's kind of the end of it. Whereas with Abraham, you see all throughout, he's making these massive mm-hmm. mistakes. You know, God promises that he'll give him a son. And Abraham gets impatient and he he has a son with his um with his with a servant girl instead of with his wife. Um you get the whole idea of um they go down to Egypt and Abraham has his wife pretend to be a sister. So to, to avoid all this conflict. Like Abraham makes bad mistake after bad mistake, um, but God continuously loves him yeah. and works through him. Um and it's really also the establishment of this idea of covenant as well, mm-hmm. where God promises Abram that this is what I, this is what I will do for you. This is what I'm doing for your family. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, which is a really cool deal. Uh, Yeah. I think it's, it's true. It's funny.
1: I was reading. um, I don't remember what I was reading, but the other day I was talking, reading through this, when Abraham even told side notes, tidbit kind of thing, when Abraham made the comment, the the statement to his wife, Hey, pretend like you're my sister. uh, There is some truth to say that he, he, they were, they were related. So it wasn't even necessarily Abram's lying to its full degree. He was just discreet in what he actually revealed to the Egyptians and the the Egyptian leadership. So, um, but yeah, I think it's, you see, even as Evan said, just to reiterate, like you see this, this man on display who wrestles with the same things we all wrestle with, with God's timing, God's provision, who God really is, all the while trusting and trying to trust more diligently um, and the provision of God and those things. So, but it is this. It's this set apart. It's this call. It's this. You are my now my people, and everybody coming from you, your line will be my people, and be blessed, and you will bless and be a blessing to the world around you. Um, and that's the start of it. That's the patriarchal thing. You see. And the other thing too, just to be mindful of when you're reading through Genesis, is to remember like. There's a point to what to the purpose of its its writing. There's a, there's a point to the whole thing. Uh, some I think I remember as a kid. Sometimes I get stuck stuck on like, well, God, explain this to me more. Help me understand this thing more. But the point of God's authorship and inspiring Scripture is is to develop and un- unfold a story to where we all understand the hope that we have because of Christ and the coming Messiah. And so there's this interweaving redemptive narrative throughout Scripture. Which is why we don't get a lot of details about the creation. We don't get a lot of details about, you know, the the primeval history of uh, of our of our reality and, and the world we live in. There's a purpose to it, and God's establishing a narrative so we can understand
0: our place in all of it. So, yeah. So next up, we move on to Isaac, uh, who is Abraham's first son, and by first I mean second. Yeah. Uh, but his first with his wife Sarah, so mm-hmm. we can we count him as the firstborn there. Um, but he just kind of. Continues on the legacy. It's funny because I I feel like Isaac, um, is just kind of boring because <laughs> there's not much, oh totally there's not much that happens. Like he has the cool story where like he sends the servant to go find his wife, and his servant is like, oh, you're the one. But the other than that is just kind of like good job, Isaac. Th- then he goes blind. That's kind of his thing. Yep. So there he you is go. Deceived. Um, he almost gets sacrificed, but God bails him out there. So. Oh yes, yeah. That's when he was, childhood. That's that when he's younger. That
1: was more of an Abraham story, but yeah, it is like he. Yeah. And he willingly goes along with it. Like anyways, there you go. There's just so much to it.
0: So. Also with the fun fact, Isaac's names mean, la- means laughter because when God told them that you'd bear a son, they are laughed. Yep. So there you go. Fun name. Cause she's
1: old. Like I'm this old and I'm going to have a kid. That's hilarious. Boom. And God's <laughs> like, why'd you laugh? She's like, I didn't laugh. <laughs>
0: Now we get to Jacob. Uh Jacob is there's a lot more that happens in his life. He's the second born. Yep. So Esau and Jacob are twins. Esau comes out first and Jacob comes out clutching his heel. Um so Jacob means deceiver. Esau basically translates to like big red. Yep. Which is kind of weird. So also not a great gum, but there you go. <laughs> uh but yeah, Jacob's name it can translate to tree uh deceiver, I like trickster. Trickster's um, a good one too. As kind of like
1: a We have a friend named Jacob who I like to just call it all name. the
0: time we we do do that um so anyways that happens and jacob jacob lives up to his name right mm-hmm. so he goes through um he deceives esau into giving him by his mother his mother's push to oh by the way gosh. his
1: mother's the one that says hey it, anyways, classic. Rebecca. Read the story; it's a, it's pretty incredible.
0: Um. So yeah, I, Jacob tricks Esau into giving him his birthright. And that trick is maybe a strong word, but he basically like, oh, you're really hungry. Like, hey, I'll give you this stew if you uh, give me your birthright. And then he tricks. This one's actually deception, full deception. Is he tricks Isaac mm-hmm. into giving him the blessing With of the firstborn? Yep. So he wraps the goat, uh, the goat hair. Yeah, he goes and gets a goat from his flock, gives it to his mom. His mom
1: takes care of it, preps a meal, takes the goat skin, wraps it around Jacob's arms because Esau was hairy. That's how Isaac, who's blind at that point, distinguished between Jacob and Esau Um, and put on Esau. Yeah, his mother was a very big instigator in this. And I'll tell you. Because she loved Jacob more than Esau.
0: Well, yeah, that's true. Um, And I'll tell you what, like, I'm a pretty hairy guy, but Esau must have been pretty Harry to get like uh, goat skin, that'll yeah trick right. Him. Oh, so, it is my son. So that yeah. happens, um, and then after a while, Jacob actually gets the the trickster tables turned on him, where mm-hmm. he uh, he goes to live with his uncle Laban. Mm-hmm. Um, he falls in love with Laban's daughter Rachel, and he's like, "Hey, I'll do anything to marry Rachel." And he's like, "Oh, work for me for seven years." Um, and then Jacob does it, and then he ends up getting married to Leah, who he doesn't like. Um, she doesn't seem like as cool of yeah, a person. Got deceived. So and she, my question is, how do you not know? I think it's. But I, I guess it shows in, my lack of.
1: I feel like it's implied that he's drunk. Biblical weddings and feasts and things like that. So. My. Because my, there's a veil where I know they have veils on and things right. like that. So it's not like you can see the bride.
0: And my so thought with it has night, always been that like they got dark. Jacob pretty drunk and that's how it So, anywho. And then, you know, what, yeah. kids. There's a lesson there. Um, so, <laughs> Don't drink
1: when you're getting married. You so Jacob thinks the wrong person.
0: Jacob thinks he's marrying Rachel. He wakes up next to the wrong sister. All of a sudden, there's this whole hullabaloo. So now he has to work a whole another seven years to marry Rachel, and he has two wives, um, which always works which out in well. And of itself
1: is like yeah, and Abraham was the same boat. He had two wives or multiple wives, and
0: was not very wise about that. It's funny because like in the Bible, um, early on, there's really nothing restricting polygamy. Um, but it never is good yeah <laughs> it's it's never a positive thing um, and so you see this happen with Jacob eventually he has um, a lot of sons with Leah and then he has two sons with Rachel um, and a couple other with concubines because that's just what they did back then apparently so there you go um, and then he wants to go back so he tricks Laban into getting some of his best sheep which is also you know, I, and at that point like good for you like Laban kind of did you dirty so I don't I don't blame him for that one uh, but he comes back and he wants to um, basically come back with Esau uh, go back to live with the family but he knows that the last time he saw Esau he basically swore that he would kill him so yeah, um, and there's no reason to think that that feeling has dissipated in the recent time yep. so uh, Jacob crosses over the river he leaves his family and his servants behind then he splits his party into two yeah Um, yeah, he's very scared. Yes. Uh, but then that's where we get this, uh, this really great passage where Jacob wrestles with God. I think this is really the turning point in the history of the people of Israel, but Mm -hmm. it's also the turning point in the life of Jacob. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to read that here really quick. It says, and this is Genesis 32, uh, 21 through 31. And it says the same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the Ford of the Jabbok. He told he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had. And Jacob was left alone. So I reverse that. Sorry. They crossed the river. Jacob doesn't. Uh, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, you will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon as, upon him as he passed uh, Penuel, limping because of his hip. So Jacob has this really, it's really weird because he just like sees a guy and like the Bible doesn't say much. It was just like, he sees a guy and they start wrestling. <laughs> That's kind of like all of the, all of the hints that we get. But there's a couple things I think are really interesting about the story. Number one, when God asks Jacob, his name, and this would be a Christophany, right? We, this is Christ who he's, who he's wrestling with here. Um, probably. So when, when all of that is happening, he asks him his name and you can kind of get this idea that Jacob he doesn't want to say that his name is deceiver and you can almost even get the picture. And this is an open-handed thing. I'm not saying the Bible explicitly says this, but I, I think that Jacob wants to wrestle with him and earn this guy's blessing just to earn something. Cause almost everything he's had up until this point are things that he's gotten through deception, whether people mm-hmm. deceived him to get things or whether he deceived them to get things. If he can just wrestle this guy um, and get his blessing, then all of a sudden he he's earned it. You know what I mean? There's no deception, no anything. He's just done it. Um, and so he asks him his name, and it's interesting that his blessing really is the name change. That Jacob's name goes from being trickster, deceiver, into being Israel, which basically yeah. means like you know, striven with God, a prince of God. Like mm-hmm. and there's a couple different translations that you can go with there. Yeah. Um, and it's from that moment on that it's really the people of Israel. It's interesting too because they take on they take on uh, Israel's name. They don't take on. Isaac or Abraham yeah, right. because Abram also has this name change moment. He goes from Abram to Abraham. Yeah. Cause he um, become the father of many nations. Mm-hmm. That's why the name got changed. But the nation is not called the nation of Abraham. Yeah. The nation is called the nation of Israel. So it, it really is this turning point in the history mm-hmm. of, of who the people are. Well, there's gain.
1: a very significant moment in, in the life of Isaac as well. And when he goes from, and I, I was trying to find it when everyone's talking, but um, he goes from, this is the God of my father, Abraham. Uh, and then it becomes, this is the God of, this is my God. Like this is, this is, he, he goes from, um, which I remember taking notes and writing it in my, in my notebook when I was reading this part of the plan, but it goes from Jake or Isaac only identified with, or no, I guess Jacob only identified with God as his father's God, not his personal God. And then it shifts. There was a moment where it shifts strategically. And I can't remember where it was. I wish I Mm -hmm. did. So some of you probably have already read it, but there is a very significant shift there. And that's where part of this trajectory is, is it's not just something that has been owned as a parent, but it's also been owned as the individual. And that's important. I mean, even to be more practical with it, like for my life and your life, there's a moment where we have to make a decision. Like this is no longer just the God I've learned about, but this is the God I'm submitting my life right. to. And I understand that this is true and real. And, and I wrestle through that because that's the defining point. And you see that in Jacob in, in his story with, with Bethel, especially.
0: Well, yeah. And you have this, um, I've, I've had this conversation with parents before, I guess there's a little bit of a sidetrack, but um, there's an interesting difference between kids who are raised in church and kids who aren't. Because I have um, a lot of close friends here at the church and about half of them were um, not saved until basically high school. And that's where we all met in the youth group. And so they they came. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for them, you know, there's never been this moment of like, when does my faith transition from, this is something that my parents believed, this is something what I believe, this has always been their thing. Whereas, yeah. you know, for me, I was raised... Um, in a Christian home. For a lot of my friends, we were raised in Christian homes. And so there is this moment where all of a sudden, and it's it's a hard thing to wrestle through too, but there is this moment where, like you said, it's no longer, this is the God of my parents or this is the faith of my parents. But now it is like, I have a personal relationship with God. And I think
1: how, you know, you get there is it is that severe wrestling match where there's risk involved. Like Jacob wrestling with this guy was like this angel of the Lord, this Christophany was not like risk-free. It was like... (laughs) Well, he gets there. Hip, there's a certain, hip yeah. Hip popped there, out. Well, yeah, that's part of it. Like there's, but there's a, was a certain level of fear and concern that Jacob embodied. Be, and that was what also probably initiated some of the, the wrestling match was like, are you here to kill me? Are you here to like, not, are you a friend or a foe? And we see this whole thing without Christophanes throughout the old Testament. Are you for me? or Are you against me? You know, and I think it's Gideon who has the same conversation. Angel Lord's like, and I'm, and I'm def- <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm neither for, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, for the army of the Lord. And so, um, but it's interesting because I think the trend right now, I mean, even if I'm going to be relevant for a second, is this idea of deconstructing um, a faith system, a de- like personally, I'm wrestling through my faith. This is what Jacob was doing. Mm-hmm. And there's this fear of if I do this, what happens? And what happens if I do this and it I, I prove or I find that it's no longer real or it's not really accurate? And, and I appreciate what Sean McDonald's or John, Sean McDowell says, but he's like, we don't follow christ because of our experience or because of our friendships or because of the the community we're with which those are all great things he's like follow jesus because it's real and right. and if we search truth and I, I was in a prayer meeting last night and which sounds so spiritual but it we have a, a weekly prayer zoom meeting that you're welcome to be a part of just sign up at grove.church um dot in, or go grovechurch.info sorry um but it was this idea like you are the way the truth and life that's what jesus professes to be and so whenever we actually pursue truth i i'm i'm confident in the fact that we will come face to face with jesus as he truly is um but there's just so so much uncertainty about it and so i'm not trying to get off on a tangent but i think it's so important today especially that it's okay to doubt but it's what we do with that doubt jacob in the moment of doubt wrestled with the lord and i think that should be true of each of us today where when there's doubt do we run from god or do we run to him um, he's big enough to handle our doubts, but at the same time he wants to meet, meet us in our, in our brokenness, this defined and changed Jacob's life and impacted an entirety of humanity, a group of humanity who have been identified and associate as the Israelites. And, and that is important to understand mm-hmm. much in the same way of our lives that this wrestling match is so true and powerful and needs to happen because if not, we're going to, be whimsically tossed back and forth like a wave by the, or by a, like a wave by the wind. So yeah. um, anyways, I'll get off the soapbox, but I just think it's, it's, it's incredible that what he, in, what he encountered and how he responded uh, set his life in different. I mean, I, I used to say this as a youth pastor. Like he walked differently
0: from that moment forward because he did, because right. his hip got messed with. Um, so anyway, sorry. Hey, no, it was great. Um and then finally the last patriarch we read about is Joseph who is the son of Jacob and the firstborn of many son, colors. Yeah, the firstborn son of Jacob and Rachel. Um and so Joseph's story is also really interesting because he's he's just as um as Jacob was Rebecca's favorite. Joseph is clearly Jacob's favorite. Yep. Um and he doesn't even try to Because see the son it. of Rachel, right? Right. Yeah, and Rachel's the one that Jacob loved. Mm-hmm. That's That's so, one he worked 7 14 years for. Yep. Leah was just kind of a toss-in, which is sad for Leah. Prize. Also, I think- Thanks for your seven words. Here's a jelly of the month club. I will say this too. I think Leah is really overlooked as a biblical character. Um probably. Because I, I think there's a lot of- I think we should probably do a character study on her. You're that. right. Dude, we should. Next week. I'm, like, I'm calling it right now. We're doing a character study of Leah. So I'm going to stop talking about her. But she's- <laughs> I think pump the brakes. Yep. No, she's, she's great. I think she gets overlooked. And wait a lot. till next week. So yeah. Cause we'll, you'll find out how great she is. Boom. Inside baseball right there. You just found out how we plan <laughs> episodes. Uh, so yeah, moving forward from that then. Uh, so Joseph's story is, is a really interesting one. So Jacob is clearly playing favorites with his sons. Um, his other brothers resent him a ton for this. And so eventually they conspire um, to sell him into slavery. Well, first they want to kill him.
1: Yeah. And um, then Reuben has his head about him says, no, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in this pit. Yeah. So, and then Reuben's like, "Well, let's we should sell, we should just sell them." Yeah. So that's that's what but happens. They convinced Jacob that his son was dead. Yep. By slaughtering a goat and putting goat blood all over his coat.
0: Which, I mean, you know, like
1: many colors. it would convince me. <laughs> so, me, me too. Uh, uh, they didn't have DNA kits back then, so they couldn't de- determine what the DNA was from, where yeah. the blood was from.
0: So all this happens, and this is where we get the connection of the people of Israel with Egypt, mm-hmm. which is um, starts off good and then uh, goes very bad. So Joseph goes down to Egypt. Um, he's a servant in a powerful man named Potiphar's house for a long time. Uh, Potiphar's wife has the hots for Joseph. Joseph is like, hey, listen, he's a man of integrity. I'm not about adultery here. Um, And she's very offended by that. And so she falsely accuses him. He goes to prison Um, there. He interprets dreams, which is another theme we see throughout the Bible is that one of the ways that God reveals his servants is by the interpretation of dreams. It's not that common, but when it does happen, it's, um, it's really cool. So Daniel being the other obvious person who does that. Um anyway, so after that happens, he eventually earns favor with Pharaoh. He becomes the second in command, the Hamilton to uh, Pharaoh's Washington, if you will. And then... If you can't tell, Evan likes the Disney Plus show, Hamilton. Uh, actually, I'm... The play, the
1: I, musical, I, sorry. I,
0: well, I do. But the music's I'm also, rad. I'm not going to lie. I'm also reading the biography right now. Oh, that's right. I it's forgot. pretty good.
1: I think you mentioned at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, good read. Um, anyway, so <laughs> moving forward from that, uh, Joseph's family comes and they, they need... Basically, there's a, yeah, there's a famine in the land of Israel, in the land of Canaan, I guess, at this point. And so the family comes, Joseph brings them in, um, but not without a little bit of, you know, getting a little bit of revenge, I guess you could say, against his brothers. Um, I was I was going to say like all lighthearted. It's not actually lighthearted, but it's, you know, no one gets hurt. Um, but so Was it
1: really revenge or was it him wanting to spend time with his younger brother?
0: I kind of, I've Benjamin. always, I've always, I've always read it as. Joseph is angry with them and he's ready. I've never read it that way. Really. That's interesting. Okay. So, I mean, I, I would have to do like a really big deep dive on this because it could be completely wrong. But my perception of, of these events is that Joseph is still angry with his brothers. And the turning point is really when they come back um, and they, they do for Benjamin, what they refused to do for Joseph, where they recognize mm-hmm. that Benjamin is clearly the favorite brother um and you see the growth in Judah in particular yeah. um but the rest of the brothers were where they're willing to sacrifice themselves for him for their brother when and when are willing to sacrifice the favorite right and so care. my yeah. the way i've always read it is that joseph sees that love and that's kind of the turning point not I've, nev- I've never read it that way so, i've always
1: read it as if joseph has had a bigger perspective of how god has worked and provided him to be in position because he refers mm-hmm. to that um, and when he sees his brothers, he, he almost doesn't want to let them go. Cause he, he gives them more than what they came in for. That's true. Um, and so the way that he responds to his brothers has always been, I'm here, I'm God sent me here to provide for you, to protect you, to cover for you. Um, and not just you, but just in general. So like for me, like the way that I see it is that he, he put in the, the goblet or whatever that was in the bag and because he wanted to see his younger brother who he's, I think, he, I don't even know if he knew. I think he found out he had a younger brother when they came the first time. Right, he He says there's Um, one more at home. And so there's part of me, that's like he's always had a longing for his family and loved his family deeply. Even throughout his childhood, he loved, you see it throughout, like, Mm -hmm. he's sharing things with them that were hostile, end up being hostile because he has a love and deep care for his family. Um, So I've always read it the opposite, where it's actually, he recognizes his position has been provided by God, to protect and provide for his family. And now he wants to spend time with his family. And then he realizes his younger brother who's never met that he now wants to see right.
0: and meet. Um, so that's, that's how I've read it. So and I guess it's uh, interesting. The truth is probably like a little bit in the middle, I suppose, because no, like, I think my truth is right. Yours there you go. Is wrong. to speak Just my state. truth. Um, that's <laughs> my like, truth. But like, I think, I think the, the big thing I, I always wrestle with is um, there's, there's clearly some kind of reason that Joseph goes through, the whole charade of mm. making them go back and get Benjamin bringing him over. Yeah. Um, and then the cup thing at the end. Yeah. And so whether it's to kind of like, whether it's out of anger, whether it's to kind of test the brothers and see how much they've actually grown. Um, cause I would agree with you in the sense that I think Joseph's plan was always to bring his family over yeah. and to save them. But I think, so I guess when I say anger, I don't mean like he was actually going to throw them in prison or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. I read it oh. more as like, um, and maybe it's more of like testing them to see where they're at or whatever yeah. it is. So. And Anywho. I've never read it that way. Anywho. Well, there you go. Uh, that's and I awesome. could, I could be completely wrong. So see, this
1: is why the podcast is fun for me to be a part of. Thank you, Evan.
0: Shazam. Cause I can tell you where you're wrong for once. And <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And that wraps it up, uh, for Genesis. Genesis ends with, uh, Joseph bringing his family into Egypt. Yep. Um, we won't talk about what happens after that. No. So. And
1: that's the crazy thing is like this, it all, even as you alluded to it, like it's, the Israelites, because I'll call them that now, excuse me, the Israelites going to Egypt was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's part of like God's provision and providence. And then it turns bad, which is Exodus and we're not in Exodus yet. So anyways, it's great.
0: It's, it's right. yeah. It's so you go. So themes in Genesis, let's talk yes. about that for a little bit here. Um, I wrote down four. Yeah. I think Seems. there's plenty
1: more for sure, mm-hmm. uh, but these are the big overarching things that you will see throughout the entirety of the 50 chapters of Genesis.
0: Right. So number one, the ultimate sovereignty of God. Yep. Can't get uh, past that. Yep. It's on display in creation. And pretty much the whole rest of the book is God is orchestrating these events. And you can
1: make an argument that in every book of the Bible, you're going to see this displayed in a different way. Right. Uh, because at the end of the day, we, we know this truth to be true, that God is sovereign. Nothing is, is before him. Nothing is before greater than him he is sovereign he sits above everything um uh, but you're going to see it in different ways played throughout even in the book of exodus you're mm-hmm. going to see it played out differently in the book of Leviticus in the book of Matthew in the book of Revelation you see the sovereignty of God and that's i think that's the fun thing about reading scripture in a year is when you remember some of these ultimate themes um that it it is on display in different ways uh
0: throughout the entirety of scripture so yeah and there's a lot of connection too between Genesis and Revelation i suppose Absolutely. It's just like I think those are the two books where the clear power of God is not—it's um, just uncorked. If that makes sense, there's no reservation. There's really no holding back. It's yeah. God commanding the universe to exist is how the Bible starts, and then God wiping out sin and creating a new heaven on, and earth yes. is how it ends. So it's it, they they're they're perfect images of each other yeah. a little bit there.
1: They're the, the perfect
0: Alpha and Omega. They oh oh beginning and the end. Revelation. I don't know if that's, that no, that's a pun or that's a reference. A, a reference. reference. There you go. Revelatory reference. We'll say it that way. Uh second theme I would say is God's forgiveness of sin. Mm-hmm. Um and so you see that over and over again where and it's it's kinda of, this is definitely a theme in every book of the Bible. Yeah. Uh but God uses imperfect people. Um mm. there's the story of Noah, just kind of like who's a drunkard. Yep. And we'll get to that here in a second. That's where the story comes in. Uh, but God uses imperfect people. There's the the story of Judah and Tamar, I think. Tamar's her name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is just kind of this weird aside in the middle of Joseph where you see- Tamar's like, his sister, right? No, it's his son's wife, I believe. Sure. Okay. Um, but basically there's just this aside um, in the story of Joseph. And I think it actually might be there to, to show how Judas matured a little bit where- hmm. um, he sins and yeah. he doesn't, one of the provisions of God is like, you know, you need to take care of, of your family. He's not taking care of, um, his son's wife when she's basically in poverty and all these different things. And and at the end, when he's confronted with his sin, he actually repents of his sin, which foreshadows what happens later on when he's confronted with the sin of what happened with Joseph. He also repents. He doesn't try and make, um, any excuses for it. So I think maybe that's kind of like, you can see the turning point in the brothers there, uh, the next one I would say is man's forgiveness in light of God's. So the, hmm. the reason it's, it's funny cause we're, we're, we started this new thing called Thursday thoughts. So this is what I'll be writing about Ooh. this. So there you go. Sneak peek. Yeah. If
1: you're going to get, if you sign up for our um, Grove Tortinos, you'll see this coming out Thursday. Yeah. But I think today.
0: one of the things we lose, um, as Christians is this idea that we should continuously be showing grace. Um, And forgiveness. And the reason we should be is because God has shown that grace to us. And I think so often we forget that God shows forgiveness. And so you see like this forgiveness that God has for Abraham over and over again. Well, Abraham has the same forgiveness for Lot um, when Lot kind of does some some bad things. Um, This forgiveness that God continuously shows um, the family of... Basically that whole family. Esau has that forgiveness for Jacob, which is really a touching moment (laughs) in, in, in Genesis where... Esau is presented as really kind of, I don't know, dumb jock for lack of a better yeah. word, but like he's, you know, he's the big hunter guy. He's not too bright. Um, well, and the way
1: it was left is Esau's going to kill him.
0: Yeah. I'll, if I see you again, I'll kill you. Yeah. Um, so for that brotherly relationship to, uh, to be healed, I think is a really powerful moment. And then Joseph for his brothers is probably the most famous act of forgiveness from, from person to person in Genesis. And so, um, you see all of that happening here. The famous line that Joseph utters is that what you intended for evil, God intended for good, which is in one, in one section, what you're seeing is like kind of all of these themes wrapped up together where it's God's sovereignty. He's directing this God's forgiveness of the sins of the brothers and then Joseph's forgiveness for their sin as well. Um, and then finally, I think this is a, a really important one, but the coming promise of the Messiah. Yeah, um, in, This is huge. Yeah. The, Jesus is not a, an invention of the new Testament. No, I don't know. Uh, he's been there. He's He's been hinted at in the Bible a lot. Um, the first one I already alluded to is in Genesis 3.15, but God's this is when God is um, exiling Adam and Eve, but he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He's talking to the serpent here. Uh, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So mm-hmm. right there, we're getting this idea that um, eventually a descendant of, of woman would crush Satan, yeah. even though Satan would inflict a wound on him, which sounds, it's basically Jesus, right? Like Jesus crushes sin and death. Um, yeah, there's even a reference in Romans. That, I mean, Paul uses the reference in Romans 15
1: or 16. Mm-hmm. Um, same reference is that. You know, the serpent's head was crushed by the and, heel of Jesus.
0: And it's also significant that Jesus has an earthly mother, but not an earthly father. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is a direct line of saying that out of woman, essentially this would happen. Yep. Um, another famous one would be, I will bless those who bless. Uh, sorry, this is God talking to Abraham. He says, I will bless those who bless you and him who disarms you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is not just a blessing for Israel. This is a blessing for <laughs> um, really the entire world. Um, and so we see mm-hmm. in this fulfillment, we we don't get this fulfillment really until Acts, which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah. But eventually the, because the, the gospel starts off as this thing that happens in Israel um, and then it spreads, which is a, yeah. So yeah. I think we see, we see Christ in the old Testament um, a lot. We see him in Genesis. We also talked about, um, in the story of Jacob wrestling with God, that's a Christophany. There's another one with Abraham. I don't remember the exact story. I should have written it down. But
1: Well, that's when Abraham, that's when he says that Sarah's going to have a, a baby. He shows up, Abraham makes that's him right. a Yeah. And she's hiding behind the tent wall, making food and being the host. Um, and Abraham's entertaining guests. And the he says, hey, this time next year, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, me? <laughs> I'm 90 years old. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And, and he's like, well, why, why did Sarah just laugh? And she's like, Ooh. I shuts her lips and
0: says, I didn't laugh, Lord. Um Yes, you did. I heard you. Like, oh. so it calls her on her crap, so to speak. But. Boom. All right. Well, on that note, we're gonna transition into our QA portion. Uh before we do, just do us a favor and leave us a five-star review on whatever you're listening on. It just helps us to get the podcast out there to more people, continue to grow this community. Um, it's been it's been really cool to see the different pockets pop up all around most of yeah. the U.S. Evan Kevin
1: sees it more than I do, but he yeah. tells me about it every
0: now and then. So there you go. Yeah. So thank, shout out to those of you in, uh, I think it's like Texas and California and New York. We're getting a lot of listenership. What so. part of California? SoCal? NorCal? Uh, I was born I can't, in San Diego. That's I can't go down that far. I just see the state. So oh, for God all God. we, God. it could be Reading. It could be San Diego. Who knows? Uh, so. Probably just your brother who lives it's true. Uh, anyway, so we're going to go ahead and go to our Q and A portion. This is the question that we teased last week. Uh, we didn't really have time to finish up, which is ironic to say because we're at like forty five minutes right now for recording. Yeah. But. Well,
1: last week I had to be with my son. That's why we even said in the show, like That's I true. had to be with my son from preschool. So classic, um,
0: needy Gideon,
1: stinking kid, the kid. All right. Um, so he'll be four in May, by the way. Anyways,
0: uh, the, Genesis chapter nine. He writes in, okay, question, smiley face dot, emoji. Dot, dot. Uh, in Genesis 9 Noah got drunk and fell asleep naked ham instead of just taking care of his dad brought Shem and japheth in to help as a result Canaan ham's son uh, as a result Canaan ham's son gets cursed why not ham or why not uh, any of ham's other kids were Ham's clan called hamites or hamsters it doesn't say I like to think they're called hamsters um, so one quick I guess not correct. Well, a little bit of a correction there is. Uh I don't think Ham brought brought in Shem and Japheth to help. I think he brings them in to like mock his dad. Um in the sense of like, hey, look how like dumb dad looks right now. So, I think that's more of kind of what's happening in that moment there.
1: Well, and wasn't Ham the youngest?
0: I think he was the <laughs> I think he's the youngest. Yeah, there's some Yeah, I think he's the youngest, but for some reason he's always listed second because I think it goes Shem, Ham and Japheth. Yes, he's always listed second. But he was the youngest. Yeah. So yeah. I remember reading that. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, so here's kind of what I wrote down there. But there's a much larger larger difference. Uh, sorry. There's a much larger sense in those days of the legacy of your children being part of who you are. Um, this also foreshadows the judgment of not just Canaan, but the tribes of Canaan many generations later. And so the idea here is that it, it really is a punishment um, for Ham to see his legacy kind of get tainted in, in that, in that sense. Um, And I also think that it it raises an interesting question. It wasn't brought up in the question, but for me, you know, there's the famous um, law in Deuteronomy where basically it says the, the son shall not be put to death for the sins of his father, nor shall the father be put to death for the sins of his son. Um, And so there is this idea in within human Law God commands us to essentially not hold accountable for the sins of the father and the sins of the son. But this doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for children. And this is kind of what I want to talk about for hmm. a little bit: is Ham's choice affects his son and future generations, just like Adam's choice affects all of us. But even today, right? Like I think there's um, like the number one indicator of, um. People who grow up to be abusers is if you had a dad who's abusive. The number one indicator is if, if you grow up to be an alcoholic, is if you had a dad who's an alcoholic. The number one uh indicator of like being incarcerated is if you had a dad who is incarcerated or at least absent. Um, it's all there's there's all these different things where those aren't those aren't the quite the same thing where it's not that you're being punished for the life that your dad lived, but what's happening is the choices that you're and, and I mean, I almost just say fathers, I think the choices that your parents make. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, have a huge impact on the life of the children. And I think that's kind of what's getting at here is because Ham um, is clearly not as serious about his relationship with Yahweh as the other brothers is. And because he clearly disrespects um, his son, God is revealing that like, this is the legacy that you're going to be leaving. So it, it is a curse in the one sense, but I also think it's this idea that um, with Shem and Japheth, they are taking these things seriously. They're showing um, gratefulness to God. Gratitude to God is what I should have said there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ham doesn't. And, and as a result of all of these different things, that's where we kind of get this idea of the Canaanites coming. So that's yeah. kind of my thoughts on it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it's also a matter of honor. Um, the way you, he, the Ham responded to his father's, to his, the revelation of his father's nakedness was not honorable. Um and, and, and I know that's not part of the question necessarily, but I think that that's the reality is, um, I was, I was, I was reading it up again, you know, in Genesis chapter nine, you know, he, um, where did it say, uh, Noah in verse 24 of chapter nine says, when Noah had woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham his youngest son had done. So he is the youngest of the three. Um, but the way that he responded when he saw his father's nakedness, um, I, there's also a certain level of cleanliness. Like, I, I just think there's l- different layers of the conversation, but the mm-hmm. way he responded and it is, it is curious to know why did he bring in his older brothers and maybe he didn't know what to do in response. Um, and his o- older brothers did know. And so they walked backwards cause they didn't want to see his father naked. And, um, uh, but there's, there's cursing because of the way he handled it. And, um, there's a legacy filter. There's, um, you know, Canaanites, they, they're rejected people in some respects. And yeah. so. Uh, it's, it's definitely interesting for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you
0: I th- overall. I think, um, there's a lot of truth to that piece. So, so there you go. Uh, I and that much more to add. So. <laughs> and that wraps it up for another episode of let's read the Bible. Uh, just a quick reminder that we are a podcast of the Grove church, but we're not the only podcast of the Grove church. You can find all of our other podcasts and resources on our website at grove.church. Have a great day. See you next week.